0: Thank you for tuning in today at Propel Church. Whether you're watching through YouTube or listening through a podcast, we want to say thank you. Our hope at Propel is that you would be propelled into an authentic relationship with Jesus. From wherever you are tuning in, we hope that you are encouraged and inspired by this week's message. Uh, But I am so excited to wrap up our Don't Take the Bait series. Man, this series has been incredible. Uh, Week one, we talked about, Pastor Nick taught a message called Match the Hatch. He was so excited, he got to use fly fishing in a sermon illustration, y'all. Okay, and talked about how the enemy will use what's desirous to us for us to take the bait to, for us to take the bait into temptation. He's gonna look, he's no, not gonna tempt us with something that we don't like. He's gonna tempt us with what's most desirous to us. And so we need to make sure our desires are in line with God. But also he talked about not taking offense. See, we're gonna, there's offenses everywhere, but you and I get to decide whether or not we're offended. We don't have to take the bait of offense. Right, We can choose to not be offended. And then week two, we talked about honor versus dishonor. Yeah. We talked about how honor is not based on the actions of anybody else. It's not based on whether or not they deserve our honor, whether or not they did something worthy of honor. No, it's based on the character that God is developing in you and I. So it doesn't matter what anybody else does. We honor because that's the character God is developing in us. And then last week we talked about are you planted or potted? We talked about are you planted in the local church where your roots are dug deep, you're getting nutrients, or are you potted where you're totally separated? Yeah. And so our encouragement from there was hey, get plugged in to the local church. If it's not us, that's okay. We want you to be plugged into the local church because when you are, That's when God can grow you most, is when you are planted and rooted in the house of the Lord. Psalm says that we will flourish in his house if we are rooted and planted. And so this week, as we wrap up, I am titling this message, The Comparison Trap. The comparison trap. Now, if you look back or listen to any of my previous messages that I have taught here before, you will find comparison is a theme that runs through the tapestry of every single one of my messages. And so when Pastor Nick was like, you're going to talk on comparison, I was like, didn't I already talk on comparison? But no, I haven't. It just, it's so near and dear to my heart to help you get out of the trap of comparison that I inadvertently put it in every message that I write. (laughs) But today I really get to hone in and focus on helping you get out of the comparison trap. Because how many of you know with social media nowadays, we see everything. Now, not all of it is real. Right, because of filters, like half everything is filtered. People only put what's really good on social media or what is perfect in the moment. But it's really easy to look and to begin to compare ourselves with one another and and forget who we are. Forget who God has called us uniquely and individually to be. And so when I think about a comparison, I think about a trap, and it's because of these two definitions right here. A trap is a device or enclosure designed to catch and retain animals, typically by allowing entry but not exit. Right? right? How many of you feel like there's an easy entry into comparison, but there is almost no exit? Yeah. And the second is a situation in which people lie in wait to make a surprise attack. You have been doing great? You're having a great day. Man, you feel really good about yourself. And then you run into somebody at the supermarket who is doing way better than you are. <laughs> and suddenly, uh, your, your grande Starbucks does not look as good as their Venti or their Trenti Starbucks. <laughs> and, and suddenly, we, we're surprised. We're taken back. The Bible says that the enemy roams around like a roaring lion waiting for something to devour. Yeah. He's lying in wait to surprise attack us because if he can catch us off guard and he can trap us and make us enter into something we feel like we can't exit, we feel stuck. Right. We feel stuck. And when I think about comparison, I also think about, man, when you were in school, in gym class, did your gym teacher ever, like, pick two captains and make them pick teams? Yeah. And then like you were picked last and you sat there and watched as every single one of the people in your classmates got picked before you. And it was like, oh, well, I'm not better than them because they got picked before me. Or I guess I'm not as fast as this person or as strong as this person. And it's translated into our lives now where I mean, their house is nicer and and bigger than ours and their car is nicer and bigger than ours and their kids are more well-behaved than ours and even though secretly they fought the whole way to church, but they're great as soon as they walk through the doors. (laughs) But so often we get caught in comparing ourselves with one another and I think there are three pitfalls to comparison, but before I jump into those, this is what James 3.16 says. It says, for where there is envy and selfish ambition, there is disorder in every evil practice. Right. Envy and selfish ambition, there's disorder. Do you guys feel like we live in a world of disorder? Yes. <laughs> a world where with lots of evil practices, I think some of it is rooted in our desire for things that others have that we don't. That's what envy is. It's when you want something someone else has that you don't and we begin to compare ourselves. Now, let me say that comparison is not always a bad thing when you're comparing yourself to the right thing. If we look at the standards of which God has given us on how we are to live our lives as followers of Jesus, those are the standards we hold ourselves and look and reflect into. The problem is we are reflecting other people and not God and his word. And the standards that he has called us to. We're we're looking at the standards of the word and it's like, well, I'm not as bad as that person over there. (laughs) At least I'm doing better than them. And then you turn this way and are like, but I'm not doing any better than they are. (laughs) And we get caught in the middle here because there's always gonna be somebody that's doing worse and always gonna be somebody that's doing better. And if we continually look for those to define us, instead of looking at God's word and what he has for us, we end up in these three pitfalls right here. And the first is that comparison opens the door for the lies of the enemy. It makes us competitors instead of teammates. And at the end of the day, comparison is the greatest enemy of our purpose. It opens the door for the lies of the enemy to say, well, why don't you have blank? Well, don't you deserve a better job or a better house or a better spouse? or more well-behaved kids, or you're not enough. You're not a good enough employee or parent or spouse. It opens the door for them to just drop little things in our minds. Not big things, just like, oh, did you see her shoes? They look better than your shoes. I'm not referring to my shoes. That's not what I'm talking about right now. Oh, did you see their car? It has heated seats. Does your car have heated seats? No. Well, some of y'all's might. Mine does not. (laughs) And then suddenly, instead of coming together as the body of Christ, we're competing against one another. Because it's about who can do this better. Who can do this job better? Who can serve better, who can be a better parent, who can have a better house? And and if we're pitted against each other, we can't fight our real enemy, which is not one another, by the way. We're not each other's enemies, but comparison makes us competitors and it'll kill our purpose when we are looking at everybody else, trying to figure out what we need to be based on the lives of other people. When God has called you to a unique purpose, He has uniquely designed and wired you. There is no one else on this planet the same as you. Our leadership team recently took a personality test. And can I tell you, there's four or five of us that are all the same personality, but we are so incredibly different. (laughs) So different. Our strengths are not the same. Our weaknesses are not the same. It doesn't make us better or worse than one another. We're just different. We're unique to who God has called us to be. And we cannot let comparison kill our purpose. Galatians 6 verses 4 and 5 says this, let each person examine his own work and then he can take pride in himself alone and not compare himself with someone else. For each person will have to carry his own load. When I think about comparison, and I've told this story so many times now, and I'll keep telling it, I think back to when I first started communicating about six years ago. And Pastor Nick was at a conference, but he was able to send me a link to live stream, which was cool back then because nobody was live streaming. Now we are all live streaming. <laughs> It was cool I got to be a part of that conference and hear from some incredible communicators. And I remember this one lady got up on stage and she started, man, she was spitting fire. There were truth bombs. I was like, yes. But internally I was like, no. Because I had just started communicating and I felt like that was what I had to be. And it made me insecure and it made me defensive. And I sent a text message that, that, to my husband, and I said, if that's what you want me to be, I can't be that. I can't be that. And his response was, I'm not asking you to be her, I'm asking you to be you. God's not asking you to be them, he's asking you to be you. See, because they have their load to carry, and you have yours and they're different. It's not a matter of more or less, who's carrying more, who has more responsibility. They are different. I can't be where she was, I can't do what she does, because I've not done what she did, if that makes sense. And, And you are in process. You are on a journey. It is not something that's gonna happen overnight. God is taking you through things. You are carrying different loads than somebody over here. And we can't get stuck comparing ourselves with other people that we miss out on what God has called us to. We've got to examine our own work and not compare because we have our own loads to carry. We have different weights and responsibilities. My job and your job are totally different. Neither one of us is better than the other. We're just different. You're not better or worse because you have a significant other. You're not better or worse because you have children. You're not better or worse because you work. You're not better or worse because you stay at home. You're not better or worse because of X, Y, Z. At the end of the day, you and I are all children of God. And he loves us uniquely for who he created us to be. I can't be Andy Andrew. I am called to be Tori Newman. That's That's who I'm called to be. You are not called to be anybody else but you. It is just you. So focus on what God has for you because we all have different loads to carry. Now, I can't make your life comparison proof because there are always gonna be opportunities for you to compare yourself to someone else. But what I can do is give you a few things to help you overcome comparison, to help you get out of the comparison trap And the first thing is this, be grateful for what you have. Be grateful for what you have. Now, this can look very, very different. You can be grateful about a number of things. Maybe your house is not as big as theirs, but you have a house. Maybe your car is not as nice as theirs, but you have a car. I mean, we're all frustrated about having cars right now because gas is like $18 a gallon. But (laughs) you have a car. We can even be grateful for the little things. It doesn't have to be the big things. It can be as simple as I'm grateful because there's food in my fridge. I'm grateful because of the friends around me. I'm grateful because of the job that I have. I'm grateful for what God has given me. Some of you guys can be grateful because you got through the Starbucks drive-through line in less than 45 minutes. First Thessalonians says this, rejoice always, pray constantly, give thanks in everything for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. In everything, give thanks. So yes, give thanks in the big things, but give thanks in the small things too. So if you are having trouble with comparison right now, my challenge for you is find three things to be grateful for every day. They don't have to be big, they can be small, but I promise you, the more you look for the things in your life to be thankful and grateful for, the more you will find them. But if you look for lack in your life, you will find it too. So are you looking for things to be grateful for? Let's do that. Let's, let's challenge ourselves every day. Before we close our eyes at night, what are three things that we're grateful for? Yeah. Find those moments, those small moments, where you can be like, man, God, I'm so grateful that I was able to give my kids money for them to go to the movies with their friends. Yeah. And I'm so grateful that My dishwasher works again. (laughs) I'm so grateful that laundry detergent was on sale this week. Find those small things. If you are grateful more, I promise you, you'll compare less. We've got to be grateful with what we have. And the second thing is this, be faithful with where you are. Be faithful with where you are. You are Jesus in Matthew chapter 25 tells this parable of a man who's getting ready to go on a long journey and he brings three of his servants to him and gives them each a set amount of money. One, he gives five talents is what they're called. One, he gives two and one, he gives one. And then he leaves. And his servants, the one with five goes out and makes his five ten, so he gets five more. The one with two goes out with his two and makes it four, so he gets, he's made two more. And the one with one takes his one and goes to the backyard and digs a hole and buries it there. And the man comes back from his Trip and the the servant with five comes to him and says, hey, you gave me five, I've brought in five more. Here's 10. And the master says, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with small, with a few things. I'll make you faithful over many. And the guy with two comes to him and same thing. Hey, I had, you gave me two, I now have four. And he says, well done good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in the small things. I'll give, make you faithful over many. I'll yeah. give you more. And then the one goes to the backyard and digs up his one and brings it and says, you gave me one and I'm giving it back. <laughs> and he's like, what? <laughs> These guys had more. The other two had more than he did and brought back more. He just had this one, this one, that was it. And he didn't do anything with it, but he buried it in the backyard. And the master calls him two things. He says, wicked and lazy. Wicked and lazy servant. He's like, why didn't you at least put it in the bank and I could have got interest on it? But he didn't. But the other two were faithful because they went out and did something with what they had been given. And the faithfulness, the stewardship, the taking care of is what God has called us to. We're not all in the same season, but we're all in different seasons. We're all in a season. You would like a promotion at your job. Are you being faithful in the position you're in now? Are you, you would like to be promoted, but are you being faithful in the current entry-level job that you have? You would like a bigger house, but are you doing a good job taking care of the house you have now? When's the last time you dusted or swept or how long has that roof been leaking and you still haven't fixed it? Are you being faithful with where you are? You want to be in a relationship with a significant other. How are your friendships? Are you being faithful with the friends you have now? You want more friends or you want some friends. And are you being faithful with your relationship with God? Are you taking care of that? Are you putting in priority? You want a better marriage. You want your marriage to improve. Are you being faithful to show up for date nights and make them a priority? You want your kids to grow up better than you do. Are you showing up at those basketball and baseball games? Are you being faithful with what you have, with where you are? Because this season you're in won't last forever. God is just asking you to be faithful with where you are right now. To be grateful for what you have and faithful with where you are. Galatians 6, 9 says, so let us not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. If we don't throw in the towel, if we don't say, I'm done. If you don't quit, you win. If you quit, you lose. This if we don't give up, contingents, We'll reap a harvest of blessing at just the right time, but we cannot give up in the season we are in right now. Right. God has something for you to do right where you are at, yeah. right at your job, in the lives of your kids, in your, the lives of your coworkers, in the lives of your family. God has something he wants you to do right now. And at the right time, you'll reap a harvest of blessing, but you cannot give up. You cannot give up. This season will not last forever. It's not a sentence, it's a season. If you don't give up. If you don't give up. So we've got to be grateful for what we have, faithful with where God has placed us. And before I go into the last thing, I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna tee it up a little bit. I'm gonna lay some groundwork because I don't have time to read 52 verses to you guys this morning. <laughs> but in Luke chapter 15, Jesus tells another parable. And it's, it's a three-part parable. It's the parable of the lost sheep, the parable of the lost coin, and the parable of the prodigal son. And I want to focus on that third one. See, there's a man and he has two sons. And the younger of the two sons one day says, Dad, when you die, I get an inheritance. I would like that now. And the dad, for whatever reason, is like, okay, and gives him his inheritance, even though he totally doesn't deserve it. And like, how terrible of a, of a son to be like, one day you die and I get this, so let's just have it now like you were dead. Like, no, what? (laughs) Anyway, uh, so the younger son gets his share of the inheritance and goes out and squanders every bit of it. He throws wild parties. He's buying lots and lots of things he doesn't need. Uh, It says he does some other stuff, too, that is very questionable. And then suddenly he doesn't have any money. He doesn't have any friends because he doesn't have any money. Uh, And he doesn't have any food because he doesn't have any money. And so he has to go get a job, and he goes, and he's working in a pig farm, and there's a famine in the land, and he suddenly looks and is like, that pig's food looks really good. (laughs) And the Bible says he comes to his senses, because he realizes, if pig food looks good, I have hit rock bottom. (laughs) And he says, you know what? The servants in my dad's house, they eat really well. I squandered everything. Every opportunity, every chance I had, all the money is gone. So like, I'm not worthy to be a son, but maybe I'm worthy enough to be a servant and to to work in my house. At least I'll have a roof over my head, a place to sleep and food in my belly. And so he starts going home and as he's walking, he's got a big speech he's going to prepare that he's preparing, he's rehearsing. You ever do that? You're like going into this big conversation and you're like, all right, I got this. I'm gonna say this and this and this and then everything's gonna be fine. And he's like, okay, this is what I'm gonna say. I'm gonna tell my dad I'm not worthy enough to be your son. Just let me come be a servant for you so I can eat some food and not pig food. So he's walking home and he's, I can, I can just see him. He's walking home. He's repeating this over and over and over again in his head. And it says, when the father saw him from a long way off, he came running to his son and met him. And his son is like, all right, dad is coming. Big opportunity. He goes, dad, I'm not worthy enough to become your son. And he starts to talk and his dad cuts him off. And he turns around and he says, hey, go get this boy some shoes, put sandals on his feet, put a robe on his back, put a ring on his finger. It's time to celebrate, go kill the fattened calf. We're gonna throw a party because my son is home. And so they do. And we, we pick this up in verse 25 with the older son. It says, now his older son was in the field As he came near the house, he heard music and dancing, because they're throwing a party. So he summoned one of the servants, questioning what these things meant. Your brother is here, he told him, and your father has slaughtered the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. Then he, the brother, became angry and didn't want to go in. So his father came out and pleaded with him, but he replied to his father, "Look." I've been slaving many years for you, I've never disobeyed your orders, yet you never gave me so much as a goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came who had devoured your assets with prostitutes, you slaughtered the fattened calf for him. In this story, we have two sons. And one of them is, decides, I don't wanna be at home anymore, I wanna be on my own. I'm going to take my inheritance and I'm going to ditch dad and I'm going to go do my own thing. And one of them stays and is obedient. And in this moment, the older son is is looking and comparing himself to the younger son. And he's like, I have been here this whole time. I've been obedient. I've done everything you've said. I stayed. I am doing this. Why? Why are you rewarding him? He left and did all this crazy stuff, and now he's back, and you want to throw a party? When I hear this story, this is, the older son is the one I relate to. Yeah. And, I, and I think, and I'm like, God, I've been so faithful. I've been so obedient. and And yet, these other people are getting all these blessings and I feel like I should be getting some blessings. And in this story, what we see is that the older son who stayed had his father's name, but he didn't have his father's heart. Because he didn't do the one thing that the father did as soon as his son came home. And it's this, celebrate, even when you don't feel like it. The third way to combat comparison is to celebrate when you don't feel like it. It says here in verse 31, the father responds and he says, son, you are always with me. Everything I have is yours. You have access to everything. But we had to celebrate and rejoice because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. We had to celebrate in this moment. We had to celebrate. I know you don't feel like it because everybody around you is getting what you think you should have. But the heart of the Father is to celebrate and to rejoice when what was lost is now found that yeah, okay, somebody else is getting a blessing, but in order for you to succeed, it does not mean that other people have to fail. That's right. Your success is not based on the failure of others. Your success in life does not mean for you to get a job promotion does not mean the person above you has to screw up. <sighs> and in these moments of comparison, We have to take on the Father's heart and celebrate. This is the hardest one for me and something I have been working on and I'm still in process of for the last five or six years. Yeah, In this process of Pastor Nick and I trying to get pregnant. I have seen so many friends get pregnant, have babies, get pregnant again, have more babies, get pregnant again, have more babies. And it's so hard to celebrate in these moments. But then I remember it's the heart of the Father. It's the heart of my Father to celebrate. And now when people tell me they're expecting, I get so excited and so overjoyed. And I'm like, we got to celebrate, let's throw a baby shower. I have had so much fun over the last six years celebrating others in this process and serving them. I have thrown some pretty, if I do say so myself, incredible baby showers over the last six years. (laughs) I threw a Star Wars one that I think takes the cake overall. But in these moments, it's so easy to get angry and it's so easy to get bitter. And it's so easy to say, but God, why not me? And to forget that God is like, be grateful for what you have. No, you're not in that season yet. Be faithful right where I have you. And you know what, you have an incredible opportunity to celebrate with those even when you don't feel like it. And if you let your choices lead instead of your feelings, your feelings will follow. I used to celebrate when I didn't feel like it, but now I celebrate and it's so genuine. And I'm so excited for those around me. And I am heartened every single one of those posts. I'm saying congratulations. I'm praying for them. The things that I'm still praying for me But just because they succeed doesn't mean I can't celebrate them. Because we are all on the same team. We're working together. So if they hit it before me, I'm gonna celebrate the mess out of them. I'm gonna make sure they know that I am with them and not against them just because they have something that I want. And so for me, I am, I am the older son and I need to work on, and I have, and I'm still working on having the Father's heart. But I think for some of you in here, you're the younger son. You're the, I ran away and did my own thing, and now I don't know that I can come back. My favorite part about the prodigal son And I I just picture it in my head. It says, when the father saw him from a long way off, it meant he was watching and he was waiting, not for him to get to the front porch, but for him to turn around and walk towards the father's house. And as soon as he did, the father went running, which was not culturally acceptable back then to run. But he said, no, this is my son. He was lost and is now found. He was dead and is now alive, and we have to celebrate. And so I don't know where you have been or what you feel like you've done. He's asking you to turn to him and take a step in his direction. He'll meet you there. He'll bring you back to the house. He'll put sandals on your feet, a robe on your back and a ring on your finger. you're not a servant, you're a son or a daughter and he loves you so much you think that you're trapped that there's an entry but there's not an exit Jesus is the exit that God sent his son Jesus to bridge the gap that you and I couldn't cross and to bring you back into relationship with him and I think for some of you today that's you That's you. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's you this morning and you say, I'm ready to turn and walk in the direction of my heavenly father, would you just lift your hand? We are gonna say a prayer together because we are one body, we are united. And so would you just repeat this prayer after me? Dear Jesus, Today, I give you my life. I place my hope and trust in you. Thank you for dying in my place so that I could have new life. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for checking out this week's message. If you made any decisions for Jesus or you need a next step or have a prayer request, let us know by going to hub. That leads you to our digital connect card where you can fill out all of that information as well as see what we have coming up here at Propel. Thank you again for tuning in and we hope to see you again soon.